I say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I will be glad in it. What about you? I've been waiting all week long for this opportunity to worship our awesome, awesome God. So if you'll just wait for a moment, if you'll go ahead and stand on your feet while I get myself together here, I would be so appreciative. We want to thank everybody for coming. So glad that you are here. And good morning to everyone on Facebook, Vimeo, and YouTube. Welcome to St. Paul Baptist Church Online. Our digital ministers and social media, media influencers are ready to engage along with you this morning. Real quick, we want to invite you to share with others this awesome experience that you're going to have. So if you are watching on Facebook, share to your personal timeline. You can also tag those whom you want to invite within the post. If you are on YouTube, subscribe to our channel and then text the link to this worship service to your personal network. You know, networks are what's important, you know? And if you are in a chat room on the church website, all you have to do is click the invite button in your chat window to share this experience with others. We're glad to see our Zoom family, and we are about ready to get ready for worship. Our leader today, our worship leader today, will be Minister Josh Jordan. Come, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. I said he is good. So give thanks to the Lord for his mercy endures forever. I don't know about you, but I didn't know I'd be here today. God saw fit to wake me up. I put my keys in the ignition. The car turned on. I was able to afford and put gas in my tank and get here and had health and my right mind to be here in this place today. I am thankful for that because his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks for his mercy endures forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Woo. There is so much power in the blood of Jesus. So let's get ready to sing about the power in the blood. Thank you. 
many of you know that there is power in the blood, power to save, power to set free. Yes, yes. Thank you, Lord, for your blood. Thank you, Jesus. Today's Bible reading is coming from Acts 9. Uh, I'll read 1 through 6. New King James Version, and it reads as follows. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? The Lord said, I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said to him, arise, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Amen. The word of God for the people of God. Let us bow for a quick word of prayer. Oh God, we bless your name today, Lord. We're so thankful for the opportunity to come into your house one more time, Lord God. We're thankful to see and be surrounded by a room full of believers, God. God, whether we're watching online, whether we're watching in the sanctuary, whether we're in North Carolina or out of the state, Lord, we want to just say thank you, God. God, right now I pray and ask, God, that you bless this service no matter where we may be watching from, Lord God. Let something be said that can touch our lives, God, that can move in our hearts, and that can give us an encouraging word that we can go for. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Have your way all over the city. Have your way through the airwaves, Lord. And we will be sure to give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor that you so duly deserve. It's in your son's name we pray, God. Thank you. 
He has done. He has done. He has done. For the marvelous things He has done. He has done. He has done.
Now, you know, Scott, I've been with UMBA all week, and they're real churchy, so it don't take much, as they say. It don't take much. But good morning again, St. Paul Baptist Church. It is a pleasure to greet you this morning. I want to give you some pastoral observations on behalf of our pastor, Dr. Robert C. Scott. The annual women's... Oh, somebody want to clap for a pastor? Yes. Yes, we have time to clap for our pastor absolutely every day. And the annual women's weekend, I want to tell you all about it, from May 14th to the 15th. Woo-hoo. <laughs> The women of worth are excited to celebrate in the Women's Weekend on 2022. Their theme, our theme, is, is this year, I Know Who I Am, based on Ephesians 1.11, Message Bible. And every woman at St. Paul is invited to take part in the festivities. So let me tell you all about them. On Saturday, May 14th, we will have our own version of Diner en Blanc a phenomenon that has happened all around the world with fabulous picnics. Each woman can choose the color that best represents who you are and bring your blanket, your chairs, your decorations, and your lunch in order to set up your own spot at the picnic. In order to respect COVID needs, but still have fun in the community, we'll eat outside and we'll be able to have as much social distancing as everyone feels comfortable with as we eat and party from 11.30 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. at the Ladda Nature Preserve in Huntersville, shelter number three. There will be both a covered area and trees surrounding you to set up your feast. Bring your lunch, your friends and family, and come on out and fellowship. We will also celebrate through our service, and we will be accepting donations next Sunday, Mother's Day, for a partnership with a giving heart, I feel pretty kits. You can put them in some baskets that will be outside on next Sunday. You can donate feminine hygiene items, underwear, makeup, shampoo, body lotion, lipstick, perfume, soap, uh, tampons, and all of those things that women need. Toothpaste, dental floss, you know what we need. You know what we need. So bring those, bring those things that are essential for these women. Let's help make their homes uh, uh, more safe as they, as they are fleeing from violence. And then on Sunday, Sunday the 15th, it's Women's Day. <laughs> we want to welcome our guest preacher. She is none other than Dr. Leslie Callahan from St. Paul Baptist Church in Philadelphia, PA. With all women of St. Paul dressed in white, we know we are in, in God and we're not ashamed to rejoice. Get excited, ladies. Get, get excited, ladies. Bring a friend and celebrate all weekend long. Married, single, young, medium, old. It's our time. I love that. It's our time. Come out and dust off, dust off your social skills and have some safe, fun, and positive time with Sisters in Christ. I'll see you there. We'll see you there. Amen. <laughs> St. Paul, yeah, it's all right. It's going to be great. Uh, St. Paul scholarships, it's scholarship time. Scholarship applications are now available for graduating high school disciples. Class of 2022, 
you have the opportunity to receive funds for future endeavors from the Academic Resource Ministry, Men of Valor, Deacon Family Ministry. Your application packets are available on the St. Paul Church website. Requirements vary, so please read the packet closely. The deadline for all three scholarships opportunities is May 29th. For questions, contact the ministry lead on the application as it's listed. If you are sick, we love you. We want you to stay home. We are seeking to remain open as long as we are allowed through the city, county, and state boundaries during this current phase of the COVID epidemic, endemic, endemic. One of the things that you can do is if you are planning to come to service and you feel sick in any way, please just stay home. We love you. Get online. Okay. We strongly encourage you to become vaccinated. Please, for your safety, we strongly encourage all disciples to go and receive the COVID vaccinations. COVID is still very real, is still deadly, and is still impacting our community. It's time for prayer. And if we ever needed him before, prayer changes things. Amen. Amen. Prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. I want to give you our funerals for this week. The family of Sister Betty Kirkland, mother of Sister Charlotte Kirkland, a memorial service will be held for her this Wednesday, May the 4th, at Greer Funeral Home in Charlotte. Additional family members are her granddaughter, Sister Nichelle Hoskins. The family of Sister Helen Lynch, um, disciple of Sister Yvonne Smith, her services will be held Thursday, May the 5th, at Mount Vernon Baptist Church here in Charlotte. The quiet hour is at 11, and their service will be held at noon. The family of Ronnie Blackman, disciple Ronnie Blackman, his services will be held this Saturday, May the 7th, at St. Paul. The quiet hour will be held at 11 a.m., and the service will be held at noon. The family of Brother Ben Cotton, uncle of Patricia Campbell, a memorial service will be held on Saturday, May 7th, at the House of Hope Lutheran Church in New Hope, Minnesota at 11 a.m. The family of Brother Willie Perry, husband of Sister Doretha Perry, and aunt of Bessie, sister of Betty, Betsy Wright, his services will be held Monday, May 9th at St. Paul Baptist Church. The quiet hour is at 11 a.m. The service is at noon. The family of Brother Aston Powell, father of Sister Christine Robinson. His services are pending. The family of Brother William Burbridge, father of disciple Sister Adara Rice. His services also are pending. The family of Brother Ulysses Whitener, the son of disciple Sister Beatrice Whitener. His services are also pending. We have some bereavement notices for the family of Brother Marvin Long, brother of disciple Sister Norma Jean Bowden, 
a, a memorial service was held for him on April the 30th. The family of Brother Willie Joe Harrison, brother-in-law of Deacon Ira Alexander and Eloise Alexander, his services were held this past week, as well as we want to keep in mind the family of Brother Reginald Steele, brother, his brothers Sean Steele, Sister Jatanja Steele, and additional family members, Brother Lafayette Steele. We want to keep them all in our prayers. We want to think about our hospitalized. There are many on the list. You will see them scrolling. But in particular, of, of special concern this morning is Brother Walter Fletcher, Cynthia Dickerson, Reverend Dr. Paul Drummond, and Ms. Thomasina, Mrs. Thomasina Drummond. And you will see a list scrolling. We want to pray for everybody because we know that prayer changes things. And we know that the prayers of the righteous availeth much. Availeth much. So we're going to be led in that prayer by Minister Joshua Jordan at this time. with me in a word of prayer to our great God. Abba, Father, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and even the God of us, the God who transcends time and space, but yet you are still near to us. You, God, to you, we first and foremost just want to say thank you, God. Thank you for the privilege to come before you and lay our hearts bare before you to bring all of our cares to you. Thank you for caring enough about each and every one of us, God. God, we know we haven't dotted every I. We know we haven't crossed every T. We know we haven't done everything right. Um, but we're still so thankful for your forgiveness and thankful for the fact that we can come before you even right now. Lord, there are many in our midst, through the airways and in the sanctuary, Lord, that are hurting. Some dealing with loss. Some stricken with pain in their body. Some grieving, Lord. Some just don't know how they're going to make it, Lord. But you, or oh God, are the one that has all the answers, God. Before there's even a question, we know that you are the answer, Lord. So, God, I pray that you touch and move in every individual situation, even right now, Lord God. God, I pray that you bring comfort. I pray that you bring peace. I pray that you bring healing, God. God, whatever we need, we know that you are, God. You are the great I am. Whatever is needed, you are that solution, Lord. God, right now, I want to pray for the preach word. God, I want to pray for the preacher of the hour, our brother, Dr. D'Angelo Dia. God, I pray that you give him preaching power, Lord, to be able to, to be able to proclaim your word boldly, God, to us. That way, someone may leave this place asking, what must I do to be saved, Lord God? That way, someone may be here challenged. Someone may leave here encouraged, Lord. God, we're trusting you even right now for a miracle. We're trusting you even right now for a breakthrough. And we're believing you right now, God, because you are the one who meets all of our needs. God, we praise you. God, we love you. God, we thank you. It's in your son's name. We believe it already done, even right now. It's in his son, the precious name of Jesus' son. But we pray. Amen. Amen. If you believe that prayer, put your glad hands together. If you believe that prayer, hit heaven. God bless you. Thank you, my brother. Thank you, Minister Josh Jordan. Thank you so much for that prayer. It's now time for us to transition. We're going to continue in worship. But we're going to continue our worship by giving. Amen. Put your hands together. Is there anybody here that's grateful for the opportunity 
to give back to our great God. Amen. Amen. That's a blessing. There are three ways that you can give. The first is you can drop your offering envelope by the office. Just call, check, make sure that we are here. Uh, we have do have limited hours, so just make sure that someone is here to receive your tithes and offerings, and it will be added to the following Sunday. The second way you can give is by mailing in your envelopes. You can mail your envelopes, your tithing envelopes to the church office. Just mail them to 1401 Allen Street. And then the third way that you can give is through ACS, our stpaulbaptist.church forward slash our generosity. You will find a link that will help you process your contribution through Access ACS and Church Management System. And then the other way that you can give, the final way you can give is through Givelify. Simply download that uh, app to your, to your phone, to your smart device, and you can give in about three clicks. We're going to get ready to give in, in the house. And I want you to have to lead us in this short prayer. God said in 2 Corinthians 9, The one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each of us must give as we have made up in our minds to do. So today, God, we have a made up mind to serve you. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. For the Lord loves a chill forgiver. And God, we give back to you cheerfully this morning. And God is able to provide us with abundance. So that by always, we will always have enough of everything. God, we thank you for our everything. You may share abundantly in every good work. So he gives to us so that we can share in his good work. St. Paul is good ground to give your offering to. So let us prepare with an amen. 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 If you will hold your offering up in your right hand, we want to give the Lord what is right and not what's left. You've got it. If you will put your offering in the envelope set before you and we will continue in our worship. to present to some and introduce to others our preacher for this morning. Our pastor's not here, but he left a preacher. Amen. 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 He left a preacher. He left a preacher in the person of Reverend Dr. Put your hands together. Dr. D'Angelo Dia. Hear him with your ears. Hear him with your hearts. Amen? Amen.
Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free. No, there's a cross for everyone and there's a cross. Where would I be, Lord, without your grace and mercy? Where would I be, Lord, without your grace and mercy? Where would I be, Lord, without your grace and mercy? Good morning, St. Paul. I greet you in the only name that ultimately matters this morning. That is the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is an honor to be with you this morning. I consider it a profound blessing and a privilege anytime I'm given the opportunity to stand here before you. I want to start by saying thank you to, my, to our senior pastor, to my spiritual leader, to my big brother in ministry. 
I'll be transparent with you. I've been going through some things these last two years, and my pastor didn't send no text, no tweet. He didn't send someone else on his behalf. My pastor reached out on his behalf, and I'm thankful for that. I also want to say thank you to my siblings in ministry for supporting me throughout a difficult journey for me and my family. Thank you so much. And a special thank you to the Social Justice Ministry for your commitment to this community, for your commitment to the Word of God, for your commitment to justice. I cannot say thank you enough for standing in the gap for me when I could not stand in the gap. Thank you. I won't be before you very long this morning. In the spirit of transparency, this may not be your typical Sunday morning amen service. These words may seem unorthodox for a sermon. After all, we're dealing with some uncharacteristic times. Division and divisiveness on a global level, a pandemic that has divided a nation which was already divided. But we need a reminder of the resilience of God as the children of God. The chaos of this world for me and for many of us have affected not only my quality of life, but my health. And unfortunately, we live in a world where the more things change, the more they simply stay the same. And as the children of God, as the body of Christ, we're expected to persevere and maintain a positive attitude in the face of opposition. However, I believe what many of us are dealing with is battle fatigue. And I'm ashamed to say that I'm dealing with this because I have not experienced what it is like to be black in America during the 60s, 50s, and preceding years. But this is my truth. And I only share this with you because God has shared this with me that I'm not the only person in this sanctuary dealing with this this morning. I find myself reframing my prayers, asking God specifically, what is it that God has clearly and emphatically called me to do during these difficult times? I find myself frustrated at times because more media coverage seems to go to a slap at the Oscars than the systemic issues that continue to oppress our communities. We're dealing with moral chaos, family. Tax legislation, drama on Capitol Hill, national sexual harassment and sexual misconduct, Libya slave trade, human trafficking, Russia's assault on Ukraine, the ongoing conflict in the Middle East, Islamophobia, white supremacy, an inadequate health care system, education system, detention system, subpar housing, corrupt politicians, and law enforcement. And the words of George Orwell's 1954 novel, Animal Farm, it often seems that humanity is capable of nothing but evil and destruction. And the only solution that I can offer myself and offer others is to keep the faith. Continue to display your concerns through your prayers, your actions, your moral courage, and your God-given right to vote. Knowing that in spite of how broken this world is, that ultimately all power is in God's hands. And the modified words of James Baldwin, to be black, conscious, and Christian in America is to be in a constant state of rage. However, we need to be prepared for everything and surprised by nothing. Therefore, I believe that if we can worship together, we need to find the sacred space to share our pain, praise, and progress together. We're dealing with some disturbing times, and not only are many of us concerned with how people are reading the Constitution personally, I'm concerned with how individuals are reading the Word of God. We seem to live in the world that lacks moral courage and general compassions. But the people of God are people of faith and tenacity. And I assure you, 
And I'm trying my best to assure myself, history will prove that God has always been on the side of the righteous. And so this Sunday morning, I'm preaching to you just as much as I'm preaching to myself. A reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verse 29 through 39. A reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. Verses 29 through 39. And it reads as thus. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. And Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever. And they immediately told Jesus about this. So he went to her, took her hand and helped her up. The fever left and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many of various diseases. He also drove out demons, but he would not let the demons speak his name because they knew who he was. Very early the next morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he could pray. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to a nearby village, so I can preach there also. For that is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching and teaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This morning, I will briefly speak on the topic, not just another miracle. Not just another miracle. Please pray with me and for me. Dear God, we confess our need for you today. We need your healing. We need your grace. We need hope restored. We need to be reminded that you work on behalf of each of us, those you love, constantly, powerfully, and completely. We ask for your grace, your mercy, your compassion and understanding. And although we find ourselves in a broken world, a world in which hurting people hurt other people, it is no mystery that you are a God capable of healing our world through love. Help us to remember that we are all your children, created in your image, and we are connected and individually created for a divine purpose. Teach us your ways, O God. Bless us with the wisdom and strength to put down our weapons and carry the banner of truth. Use us, work through us, and if necessary, work in spite of us to mend this nation brokenness. Now I ask God that you would allow the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart to be reflective of what you have intended for us today. Hide me behind the shadow of the cross, God, and let your will be done. Amen. April 12th, 1976, the back of a taxi cab, destination, Cape Fear Valley Medical Center, time of delivery, 7.45 a.m., 8 pounds, 13 ounces, identity at birth, healthy baby boy. December 26, 1978, a nice storm hits Dallas County, temperatures drop into the single digits leaving more than 300,000 without power. For as long as 10 days, 14 million in damages and six deaths. 
Baylor University Medical Center, time of delivery, 4.57 p.m. Eight and a half pounds, identity at birth, healthy baby girl. Tuesday, April 15th, 2019, 5.37 a.m. She greets me with, good morning, you're going to be a dad. Silence pierced by the realization dad embodies responsibility, comfort, care, compassion. Come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. If I was to start a Rolodex of things people rarely talk about until they're right in the thick of them, I might begin with the loss of a baby. Lonely, painful, demoralizing, almost on a cellular level. When we lost our first baby, we were devastated. We were completely blindsided, had no reason to believe that we were at risk. The pain was acute. Even now, speaking the words, when we lost our first baby, Emotional pain, guilt. I try to remind myself that we didn't lose a baby, that loss implies blame, but regardless, the pain persists. The good news is that now, the pain is a dull ache as compared to what it was afterwards. An intense, unpredictable firestorm of grief. Grief is not a process, it's a companion. The pain doesn't lessen when we care it alone. Whether our child is in our arms or in our hearts, we're still parents. This is not a test. This is not a lesson. This is not a gift. Elohim, forgive me. I now understand pain may endureth for a night. Ancient monks and Brahmins believe that difficult moments in life were the process of enlightenment, insight, and clarity. Old school rapper Rob Bass and DJ Easy Rock had a song, Joy, Pain, Sunshine, and Rain. The band Electric Light Orchestra wrote the song, Hey, Mr. Blue Sky, after a horrible night of weather. And we shall overcome and lift every voice and sing are two of the most spiritually radical songs to embrace during difficult moments. And the divine impossibility of God is the theory and understanding that God has intended for us to experience both pain and pleasure to discover our purpose. And as we look at the life and ministry of Jesus, we have a clear illustration of a purpose-driven life. We gain an understanding of not only the ministry of Jesus, but the childhood of Jesus. Jesus experienced a natural maturing process similar to any growing child. And I'm quite sure that Jesus has some stumbling blocks and difficult moments in his youth, but nevertheless, he didn't allow any of these moments, these things, these individuals to hinder his progress or hinder his journey to gaining self-awareness. And maybe, just maybe, this has something to do with the dynamics of Jesus' family. A family that believed in the power of praying together. A family that believed in the gift of allowing others to explore their divine purpose. A family willing to share their praise and pain together. A family committed to the core values of kindness and compassion. And although this was Jesus' earthly family, in the case of you and me, these are the individuals we choose to serve with, labor with, and nurture community with. But despite the difficult moments and situation, the parents of Jesus, Joseph and Mary, they had faith. They had a firm understanding and awareness that the purpose of Jesus' life was not for them to determine, 
However, in life, we find ourselves often attempting to live up to or into the expectations of others. But in the case of Mary and Joseph, they had a gift for assuming the best of intentions. They had faith that God had a plan and purpose. And although this journey required pain, labor, and suffering, they knew a miracle was on the way. They knew the importance of attempting to understand the journey. An essential part of our lives is to gain a profound understanding of how to appropriately respond and react to life's difficult difficult situations. These situations are the essence of God shifting the atmosphere and moving us in the right direction. One theologian said it best when he said, Hell is not knowing who we are or what we have been called to do. We must trust the process. Thus, as I reflect on this passage from the Gospel of St. Mark, I'm reminded of a statement by St. Francis. Preach the Gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. A short narrative to illustrate the understanding of this Gospel. In the book Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson, lawyer and founder of the Equal Justice Initiative, he tells the story of a death row inmate on the night of his execution. The man says, I quote, Brian, it's been such a strange day for me. When I woke up this morning, the guard said to me, what do you want for breakfast? At midday, what do you want for lunch? In the evening, they came to me and asked, what do you want for dinner? All day long, they've been asking me, what do I need? People have been saying, what can I do to help you, brother? Can I get you some water? Can I make a phone call on your behalf? Would you like extra stamps to mail your family and friends? The man goes on to say, More people have said to me in the last 14 hours of my life, what can I do to help you, than they ever did the first 19 years of my life. The essential question the brother had about life was a misunderstanding of the concept of love, specifically Christian love. And this is not to absolve the brother of his transgressions. That is not our responsibility. That is God's job. But at the core of his concern, the brother were asking, where were God's people in their love when I was three years old being physically abused? Where were they when I was nine and ten experimenting with different drugs? Where were they when I was 14 and homeless roaming the streets with no place to go? I just want to be loved. I just want to be considered of importance. I want to be considered of value, to be seen, to be heard, to be recognized. I want to feel the significance of what it means to be a child of God. The man was pulled away. Hair shaved off his body, strapped in the electric chair, and he was executed. I firmly believe the support of any system that is devoid of love is profoundly immoral, profoundly unjust, profoundly at odds with human dignity and human rights, and profoundly in conflict with God's desire for us. I believe one of God's many desires for us is to gain an understanding of universal love for all of humanity. And God's love has no bias. God's love is not exclusive. And I don't preach this to belittle the reality of life. Although we have a lot to celebrate, when we take the time to examine our tragic history and our fractured presence, it seems somewhat justified to question the divine intent of life. Because we have experienced so much and we continue to experience so much as the black church. This is human nature. And let me say that again. This is human nature. We need a constant reminder of God's restorative grace and mercy. As described in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon and Simon Peter's mother-in-law, who was suffering from a high fever. They asked Jesus to help her. Now, I've been lingering over this section 
And I like to park my big wheel here for just a moment. There is something significant about the pronoun usage here. They. They perhaps referring to James, John, Simon, and Andrew. They asked Jesus to help her. Now I want to be clear that collectively as the church, we have a lot to be thankful for. Personally, I'm processing and attempting to pause and celebrate several accomplishments. The completion of my doctorate, a new job, the expectation of a baby, to God be the glory. I don't say this to belittle the experience of anyone with a similar experience or to be dismissive of your pain. However, I just want to be transparent with you this morning. I take a lot of pride in being a dad. And many of you have met my son, Charlie. For those that don't know, my son is 11. He's not my biological child. However, I've been with him since he was 18 months old. My wife and I have always had a desire to extend our family. However, in 2019, at the time, two months into her pregnancy, on a Sunday morning, she informed me something just didn't feel right. Immediately after service, we rushed to the ER, and there is no poetic way of saying this. There was no indication of a heartbeat. Now, my toxic masculinity didn't allow me to fully process the pain and grief at the time. To the best of my ability, I tried to push through, find comfort in community service and work. However, during these difficult moments, I now realize it's hard to see and feel the essence of God making plans. And those that know me personally know that I've always had a desire to be an artist and a chaplain. And I had what I considered to be my dream job as a chaplain at a local school here. Ordination was a component of this process. And Dr. Scott had gathered an all-star team of clergy to ordain me, which included Dr. Redmond and Dr. Moss. After an intense process, I walked out of the sanctuary, ordained with my head held high, proud and excited about the doors that I soon would open, excited to serve this community in a new capacity. I just want to make each of you proud. I just want to honor the history and integrity of this community and my family, however due to the pandemic, budget cuts, and my politics. I lost my job, a job which consumed my identity. It's difficult to see through the fog and discern God's plan during these moments. Fast forward several months later, 2022, the start of a new year. We all had expectations for a new year. However, on January the 8th, my expectations were shattered. I received yet again tragic news, a call from my sister, Reverend Pia Jessup, that my cousin, Jason Walker, had been shot and killed by an off-duty police officer in Fayetteville, North Carolina. During these difficult moments, it's difficult to see and feel the hand of God shifting the atmosphere, making preparations on your behalf. I will never, I will never get over losing a child. In some regards, I'm still lamenting the loss of my job as a chaplain, and I will never get over the murder of my cousin Jason and the countless black and brown individuals that have been executed by this country as a result of the abuse of power and authority. But I will get through it. Now, I don't say this to belittle the pain of any of you and the experience of you are dealing with with your pain. Your pain is real. Your process of healing is real. 
I don't say this to give God status, deification, or sainthood to anyone. However, thank you, St. Paul, for being my day, for being my James, John, Simon, and Andrew when I was battling grief. When I was battling grief, anxiety, depression, too ignorant to pray for myself, you prayed for me. Affirm me. You reached out as ambassadors of God's grace and everlasting love. I don't share this journey to center myself. I share this journey to say that we end this thing called life together. Thus all I ask is that which you have done for me that we consistently do for others, all of God's children, the discarded, the marginalized, and the often oppressed. This is redemptive love. Redemptive love has the power to heal when nothing else can. Redemptive love has the power to liberate when nothing else can. And Jesus is the ultimate example of redemptive love. We see this throughout his ministry of teaching and preaching. We find Jesus again performing a miracle as a divine display of love. And shortly after leaving the synagogue and healing Simon's mother-in-law, there is a gathering of those in need. These were the poorest of the city, the outcast, the sick, the demon-possessed, the tax collectors that nobody wants to deal with among the crowd. There may have been a few deacons, ushers, members of the hymn choir, physicians, scholars, maybe even a few theologians. But regardless of their disposition or affliction in life, there was a gathering of those in need of Jesus. Those with a limited awareness of the magnitude of who this man was, yet attempting to trust God in the divine plan and purpose. I've come to the understanding that if we follow the path of Jesus long enough, our lives and our ministry will intertwine with the people who are in need. People who can't seem to get it together. People who still struggle with addictions. People who are poor, people who have mental illnesses, people who are hurting from grief and depression, people processing doubt and fear, people confronting jealousy and envy, people who are often mere reflections of you and me. These are the people that are drawn to the authentic ministry of Jesus then and now. And in this passage, everyone who is sick or demon-possessed is crowding around Jesus, and Jesus is healing them of their illnesses and driving out demons. And we sense a degree of frustration here, I think. When Jesus, earlier on, he tries to silence the testimony of the possessed. At least the whole thing gets out of hand. And yet it does get out of hand. And Jesus seems somewhat frustrated by the crowd that continues to press in on him. It appears that he wants people to listen to what he has to say and not get carried away with his miracles or his mysterious identity. And this is made quite explicit at the end of the reading where Jesus has escaped from the crowd to find a place of solitude to pray. And telling his disciples, it is time to move on. Let us go to a neighboring town so that I can preach there also. For that is why I've come. A few essential things here to consider and I will get out of your way. During his ministry, Jesus performed more than 40 miracles, including changing the natural elements of nature and raising people from the dead. A miracle is considered an event that occurs outside the boundaries of natural law. Now, Jesus had a list of priorities, and after taking the time to think things through, he realizes that his number one priority should be spreading the news of hope about the world to come. He understood the purpose. He understood the mission. He understood that God's plan was above his life. He understood all of this and had a clear understanding of the assignment. However, the all-consuming needs of the people that are around him, those afflicted and those not so aware, are a distraction. 
that threatens to divert Jesus from his real work, the journey to Calvary. He understood God's plan and God's purpose for his life. He understood the ministry of compassion and the great expectation of a miracle that's on the way. And surely there were a number of those among Jesus' crew who could have taken up the task of healing the sick. Jesus must focus on spreading the word, for that is why I've come. Jesus must focus on proclaiming the good news, for that is why I've come. The word here is to understand our purpose. I think what it is trying to tell us is to stay in our lanes. What God has ordained for you is for you. And when we discover God's purpose for our life, we must not allow ourselves to be easily distracted. And from the outside looking in, it often seems like others are living out their purpose. And for many of us, social media has created a comparison trap when it comes to our purpose. We've gone from keeping up with the Joneses to keeping up with the Kardashians. The famed singer Nina Simone, deep into her career after several awards, expressed that she was not happy. Because she had not fulfilled God's calling for her life. Oh, how easy it is for us to assume or attempt to define the purpose of others. Influential Catholic author and poet Thomas Merton is quoted for saying, If you want to identify me, ask me not where I live. Ask me not what I like to eat or how I comb my hair. But ask me what I am living for in detail. Ask me what I think is keeping me from living fully, that which I live for. What's your purpose? What's on your priority list? And what makes it so difficult as the children of God to be patient and anticipate all that which God has done and will do for us? From the perspective of the Christian community, we're all called to proclaim the good news. We're all called to convince the unconvinced, to be convinced and make disciples. However, we each have a particular calling with respect to how we are to do this. We each have a calling, and if we get consumed with our time doing a multitude of things, even good things, but don't dedicate our time to cultivating the calling that God has placed on our lives, then we're not doing God's will. We each have a divine purpose, and when we are purposeful collectively, we will be forceful. All we have experienced and all we will experience is a preparation for a life of peace. A celebration of peace, an appreciation of peace, not on your time and certainly not on my time, but on God's time. Yet it's difficult to trust the journey. It's difficult to trust the process and and place our faith in that which we can't see and wait and anticipate on God's plan, the anticipation of a miracle. It's human nature to have doubts and concerns. It's human nature to experience frustration. It's human nature to be impatient, but it's also human nature to discover our divine purpose. Your purpose may make people nervous or even angry at times. Your purpose may disrupt the norms of society. Your purpose may challenge the comfort zone of others. In fact, fulfilling your purpose may be an inconvenience to those that claim they love you. Your purpose will often produce pain before it produces praise and progress. But if we will embrace it, we will find that we are following a divine calling. So here is my challenge to you this day. And some of the things that we're attempting to do here in Charlotte specifically as the children of God will require that we adjust to adapt, to get involved. It is one thing for us to have a purpose as a community, as the body of Christ. It is another entirely for you to individually find your place and your purpose. 
We will never be more powerful and forceful than when some of you who have been walking around some for decades with no real clue as to what your purpose is, roll up your sleeves, get involved, join the ministry, get your hands dirty and get involved in the business of nurturing God's kingdom and cultivating God's kingdom right here on earth. Where do you fit in? What is your purpose? I can tell you it is not to come Sunday after Sunday and simply observe. I'm asking you to sincerely and purposely dig in and find your purpose. God's desire for each of us is to be full. And to be full, we must know the why of our lives. And we know there is one because before God even formed us, God had a plan for us. This morning, I'm encouraging you to have faith. Give God your preemptive praise knowing that a miracle is on the way. I assure you, this this life journey was not designed by the hands of humanity, but by the hands of God. We must have a clear understanding of not only who we are, but whose we are. This brings me to my next point. If you're going to get distracted, get distracted by something good, something righteous, something wholesome, something spiritually uplifting. In the words of the late Congressman John Lewis, get into good trouble, necessary trouble. We all take bypasses from time to time, pit stops, detours, and perhaps indeed the ordinary needs of ordinary human beings were slightly distracting to the greater work of spreading the gospel. But if so, Jesus consistently allows himself to get distracted in order to accomplish his purpose. According to scripture, Jesus' priority was preaching and teaching, yet according to St. Mark, Jesus is constantly engaged in the business of healing. Now, I'm not suggesting that this makes the teachings of Jesus any less important, not at all. But I am suggesting that maybe, just maybe, preaching the gospel doesn't always require your words. So many people came to Jesus, we're told, but there wasn't enough room at the door. And yet, we don't see Jesus standing up and saying, look now, I want everybody to put their needs on hold for a moment. I have something I like to say. Although it seems as if Jesus is distracted from the priority of teaching he and preaching, he is preaching the gospel with very few words. And clearly, there is abundance of misery surrounding Jesus as he begins his public ministry. And even he comes into this with a list of priorities and he weighs through it all. And Jesus does not immediately seek isolation. He allows himself to get distracted for you and for me. He heals the sick and casts out demons. He brings liberation to those in need. Perhaps he didn't know that this was a distraction, but he does it anyway. And many of us have had distracting experiences or distracting individuals in our lives. Oh, how easy it is to lose track of time and get consumed with selfish desires and selfish ambitions. But Jesus is a model example of the sacrifice of compassion. For Jesus, preaching and healing seems to go always hand in hand. Yes, according to St. Mark, at the end of the day, Jesus creates some distance for himself, and he decides that it's time to focus on preaching. St. Mark goes on to say early, very early the next morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place to pray. We need to understand the value and importance of self-care. Find your sacred space. Sometimes you just need to get away from foolish people in foolish situations. Simon and his companions went to look for Jesus. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Now, I don't believe that they found Jesus. God guided them to Jesus. And Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby village so that I can preach there also. For that is why I've come. 
Now, this is an indication to me that although we have some work to do, Jesus' ministry of compassion is not exclusive. However, immediately following this, Jesus crosses paths with you and me, a person afflicted with leprosy. And here we go again. This is that bypass in your life, that pit stop. And Jesus doesn't say, not now, my friend. I got other things that I need to do. At least wait until the end of the sermon. On the contrary, St. Mark records that Jesus was so moved with compassion for the brother that he healed him right there. And so the pattern of preaching and healing where there always seemed to be a lot more healing and preaching continues. These situations aren't just random miracles in the ministry and life of Jesus. Specifically here, I'm referring to the healing of Simon's mother-in-law. A healing that I must say as I read it is not very entertaining, not very engaging, not very spectacular. There is no rising action, climax, or falling action. It is both preceded and preceded by miracle stories. And it seems like the healing of Simon's mother-in-law was just another miracle in the life of Jesus that could have been a footnote. We're told that Simon's mother-in-law had a fever. However, there's no suggestion that it was a life-threatening fever. It may have been, of course, or she may have had a slight touch of the flu. I can't help but wonder, though, why did St. Mark include this particular incident? When it does seem like a distraction, a bypass, a pit stop from the action-packed narrative unfolding, she doesn't even receive a name in the narrative. She is simply referred to as Simon's mother-in-law. If Simon's mother-in-law was allowed to give her testimony. I'm sure this was her calling to discipleship. This was God's plan and God's purpose for our life. One, Jesus goes to her. Two, he takes her by the hand. Three, he lifts her up. Four, she is healed. Five, she begins to serve him. This, in so many ways, is becoming my favorite miracle story. I've never seen lepers healed. I've never seen water turn to wine. I've never seen the rising of the dead. However, I've seen little miracles in this community and in my family. Recovering from illnesses like Simon's mother-in-law. And it is these little miracles we are familiar with. And perhaps the point of the passage is that the little miracles are still miracles. And the fact that they are small and familiar does not mean that they are unimportant. Think of the little miracles that we have been privileged to be bear witness to, to be the beneficiaries of over the years. Not normally directed by the hands of Jesus himself, but often through the compassionate touch of God's children. Not just another miracle. Think back of the numerous historical moments that we have lived through. How will we ever get through this? Not just another miracle. Think of each morning we are blessed to see another day, yet we feel that there is nothing significant. Yet someone didn't see today. Not just another miracle. Now, I'm not suggesting that we hold back on proclaiming God's word, for clearly, indeed, God's word is the source of life and hope, yet words by themselves are extremely hollow. For Jesus is more than a teacher, just as his teachings are more than just words. When the gospel of our lives is written like Simon's mother-in-law, it will most likely not be our status in life, not our education, occupation, or our words that we are best remembered for. But most likely, it will be the little miracles that we are a part of. And it may seem sometimes that our contributions are not that great, but for some, they may be just another miracle. Yet every miracle, great or small, is a contribution to God's kingdom. Remember, we all have a priority list. We must trust God's plan. We must trust God's purpose. A miracle family. I truly believe a miracle is on the way. But if you're going to get distracted, Let it be for something good, something righteous, 
or allow yourselves to get consumed in the thanksgiving that Jesus took the time, took the bypass, made the pit stop before he took the long road to yield himself to the hands of wicked men to be crucified for your sins and mine. Our salvation is not just another miracle. The healing of Simon's mother-in-law is not just another miracle. The fact that our congregation survived a pandemic is not just another miracle. The fact that we are the children of the survivors of the transatlantic holocaust is not just another miracle. The fact that I can see you when you can see me is not just another miracle. The fact that you can hear me and I can hear you is not just another miracle. Your reconciliation is not just another miracle. Your liberation is not just another miracle. Your healing of cancer is not just another miracle. You getting over addiction is not just another miracle. Every form of oppression that you have dealt with is not just another miracle. The resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is not just another miracle. It's not just another miracle. It's not just another miracle. The return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is not just Another miracle. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I assure you, family, your contributions to this broken world is not just another miracle. The doors of the church are open. If you are looking for a place if you're looking for a place to cultivate your understanding of what God is working out, the doors of the church are open. If you're looking for an opportunity to nurture community and cultivate change in this broken world, the doors of the church are open. If you're seeking compassion and understanding, the doors of the church are open. If you have a firm understanding of the calling that God has over your life, or if you don't have an understanding of the calling that God has over your life, the doors of the church are open. If you believe that God is the Alpha, the Omega, and everything in between, the doors of the church are open. If you've gone from being ratchet to righteous, and from righteous back to ratchet, the doors of the church open. If you need a second chance, the doors of the church are open. If you believe a miracle is on the way, the doors of the church are open. Let us pray. God of peace, God of justice, God of mercy, we thank you for the gift of life, God. Lord, you say where two or three are gathered in your name, you are in the midst. And God, we thank you for being here with us. God, we thank you for our church family, for our spiritual leaders. We thank you for allowing us to come to this sacred place and feed upon your word. God, continue to watch over us. Wrap your loving arms around each and every individual here, God. Keep us mindful, God, that every contribution that we make to this broken world is a miracle, God. And it is a contribution to contributing to kingdom building right here on earth. We truly believe, God, that a miracle is on the way. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the blessed Holy Spirit, amen.
bless the Lord. Amen. We have been blessed this morning. Amen. Amen. Not just another miracle. Not just another miracle. Now, he has given a, a call. And if that call is for you, if today is your day, I want you to continue to, to join me in a new prayer of life. And we're going to, if you want to make a decision today from what you've heard, you want to affirm what you've heard, or you want to say, you know what, today is my day. I want you to follow me as I give this prayer. Follow me, please. For those of you that have already know him, it's a reminder. So we're going to say it with those that are dealing with this decision to be made. Repeat after me. Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. I come to you now because I know I need a savior. I confess my sins and I confess that I haven't gotten it all right. Forgive me. Make me the person that you want me to be. I give myself to you. I want to be a follower of you. Thank you now for the gift of salvation. And God, you know what? I want to be able to understand that it's not just another miracle. Now, if that's reached your heart and you feel that today is your day and you want to come for baptism, I want you to start making your way right now. Raise your hand if this call was for you. If today is your day, put your hand in the air. Put your hand in the air. If you're online and you want to be baptized, all you need to do is email connect at spbcnc.org. If you are on Facebook, all you need to do is type the word salvation in the chat box and a digi minister will be in contact with you and through Facebook Messenger. Or you can leave us a message at the church office. Or you can go to our website. If you're on our website, type in salvation. We've got people joining our church all the time, all every week online. So all you have to do is contact the church, contact connect at spbc.org, or call the church at 704-334-5309. If you're here in person, all you have to do is move those happy feet. Move those feet. Just get tell somebody, get on out of my way. I've got to come and meet the Lord. Now, if you're coming by Christian experience, this message has hit you. You know who you are in Christ, but you don't have a church home. You're going all over the church, all over the city, trying to find a place to be. I can tell you that there's none other better than St. Paul Baptist Church. Amen. There's no better place to be. So if that is you, if today is your day, raise your hand and someone will come and walk with you. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. If you've been estranged from the fellowship, you need to be restored back to full fellowship with St. Paul Baptist Church. You also are welcome at this time. If you are here and this is just a temporary station for you in Charlotte, but you want to stay connected, but you want to stay connected to your home church, this call is also for you. Put, our, put your hands together as someone can contemplates coming. This space walk is real. God bless you, my brother. You may have your seats in the presence of the Lord.
If you do not have your elements, would you raise your hand? Raise your hand so we can make sure that you have your elements. See your hand over here.
It is a forgiving meal. God, forgive us for anything that we have done that is not like you. God, make us worthy, and we are worthy now to be a part of this meal. We thank you for it, God. We thank you for this time. It is a sweet, sweet time, and we thank you for it now. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you have your elements... For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that on that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You may eat the bread. In the same way, he took the cup also, also after supper, saying this. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You may drink the cup. take your elements with you as you exit. We've done as the Lord has commanded and given us room. We thank you for this day. benediction. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. We're not going to touch, but we are going to do. Praise God. <laughs>